Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. You know how much it's Mother's Day weekend. You know how much Yeshua loved his mother. Uh, my goodness, the, that Jewish uh, girl at that time, really, Miriam. Uh, Yeshua loved his mother, and he had a great mother for sure. A lot has been read and written and studied about his mother. But there are other examples of great mothers and the influences that they had on their kids. Uh, you can turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1 if you want to get ahead. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Oh man, I'm telling you what, the, the influence of a, of a godly mother, it can't be overstated. It can't be overstated. It, it is just so important. The influence of a godly mother. And, and there are these incredible examples of great mothers that had great influence on their kids. And oftentimes, honestly, these mothers are taken for granted or it's just kind of skipped over in the scripture and it's mentioned maybe or not mentioned sometimes and it's just, uh, and then you move right past it, but it really should not be skipped over because it is worth focusing on celebrating and understanding the importance, recognizing it. We all know the famous Timothy. Everybody knows Timothy from the scripture, of course. Timothy, understudy of Rabbi Shaul, Paul the Shaliach. And Timothy was very special. I mean, he was used mightily and powerfully by God. We read a, a, a couple of, of Rabbi Shul's letters, in fact, uh, to Timothy uh, that's right there in the Brit Hadashah. I mean, he's a pretty prominent person as one of Paul's right-hand guys, you know. And so Paul, uh, rather, Timothy was, was very, very used by the Lord. Well, likely one of the reasons why Timothy was chosen uh, by God and by Rabbi Shaul was, wait for it, his mother. <laughs> his mother. It's so interesting. People talk about Timothy all the time, but nobody ever talks about Timothy's mother. But yet, if take a look, and we're going to look at this in the Scripture, and you're going to see something that perhaps you haven't seen before, and that is the influence of Mr. Timothy's mother. So, you know, we get to heaven uh, you're going to see Timothy, and, and, and there's going to be some lady standing beside him. I'm his mother. Okay, yes, all right, Miss, Miss Timothy's mom. I got you on that. Well, Paul greets Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to go to verse 5. Hear what Paul says to Timothy. Paul says this, I recall the genuine faithfulness within you. Paul's talking to Timothy which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. And I'm sure it is within you as well. 
That's almost backhanded to Timothy. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity or fear, but of power and love and of self-discipline or of a sound mind. Okay, wow. You have to understand, everybody uh, who has been walking in the faith for a while is probably has some familiarity with the scriptures that say, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We know that. When we're, when we're fighting fear, this is the kind of go-to scripture that we go to, right? To say, no, 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 this fear is not from the Lord. God hasn't given us this spirit of fear, power, love, sound mind, self uh, uh, discipline, etc. But within the context, uh, we see here that Rabbi Shaul is speaking about this something that Timothy has that has been fanned uh, into the flame. It's a gift of God that Timothy has. And, and he goes back, and a couple of verses earlier, we read that Paul says, yeah, you probably got this gift. Why? Because your grandmother had it. Lois, and your mother had it, Eunice. Very interesting. It's something that's never talked about, never noticed. Part of the gift given to Timothy was part of his familial call, also wielded by his mother and even, yes, his safta, his grandmother. The influence of a godly mother can't be overstated. It's very, very interesting to see how Eunice, she's going to say, hey, I'm Eunice. I'm Eunice. He's like, oh, I'm sure, no, sorry, I know you, Eunice. Come on, from the Bible, I'm Timothy's mom, right? And then right when Eunice is going to get excited, Lois is going to say, hey, I'm the grandmother that was mentioned. I taught you, Eunice. <laughs> and that's beautiful. I mean, we see a generational thing that's happening here. And truly, that generational influence should take place whether you're a mother or whether you're an aunt or whether you're just a, a, a person who is more senior who is passing something on to the next generation, to those who come beyond you and behind you. This is something that you should be looking to model as an influence. Here it was that Eunice and Lois had these giftings. And it was in the family, and Paul said, you know what, Timothy, I know you probably got it because your mother and your grandmother had it. So you probably got it. You fanned the flames of that. I've laid hands on you, so don't have any fear. Power, love, sound mind. This is all connected, you see. There's a beauty to that. I hope you're listening out there. I hope if you're a mom, that blesses you. But we're going to spend a little bit of time today talking about uh, another mother. I love the, the, the different moms that we read about in Scripture, and they they touch you so much and they speak to you so much and it is Mother's Day weekend and I want to spend some time today talking about a mother that we read about in scripture, another mother and honestly she's not spoken of very often and in many ways she's not the focus of the story although you all if you're familiar with the word of God you've heard of her, you know her role, she, she, she might, she might uh, in, in the Oscars receive best supporting uh, role, <laughs> you know not the main but often the, the She's not the focus, the singular focus of the story, but often isn't that the story of mothers? You're right, right, exactly. I mean, that, that oftentimes is the story of mothers. It really is, right? Critical, but, but quite content oftentimes not to be the focus of the story, ceding the spotlight rather to their children. 
right? You know, they, 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 if you're a mom, uh, you, you, you want to bless your kids, right? And, and you want to bless those who come behind you. And, that, and that's something, and, 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 and oftentimes you're, you're in the background uh, making a lot of things happen, and, and you're the one who kind of set the, the, set the, the tone for, for those who are coming after you. Very, very, very powerful. So, so to understand the amazing nature of, of this particular mother, you have to understand the context of this story. And it's interesting, I've, I've, I've heard about this person in the scripture for literally all my life, of course, uh, as, as you'll, once you know the story here, but I've never thought about this person in the context of an unusual and special mother and, and what all that entails. We're going to really dig into this pretty deep today. Let's go to the book of, and we're in that season anyway, let's go to the book of Ruth, please. Ruth chapter 1. The book of Ruth, Be'erit Ruth. Okay, the book of Ruth. You know the story of Ruth. It's a very powerful story. We're going to be reading the story of Ruth today. We're not going to go through all four chapters completely. We're going to kind of just give you little highlights, snippets of it, but especially not even, not even especially as it relates to Ruth, but we're going to talk about the story specifically from the context and as it relates to Naomi, to Naomi, okay? So this is the one, Naomi in the story of Ruth would receive a best supporting uh, role uh, and not the main role, but, but I want you to think about Naomi in her role specifically as a mother today. Uh, as we are in the Mother's Day weekend, because as I read it, I'd never seen it quite in this context, and it really blessed me and ministered to me. I hope it does to you as well. Ruth chapter 1, verse 1 says this. It came to pass in the days when there were judges uh, were governing, there was a famine in the land, and a man went down from the town of Bethlehem, Bethlehem, house of bread, just like Bethlehem is house of praise, in the town of Bethlehem in Judea to dwell in the region of Moab with his wife and two sons. Okay, there's a famine, and here, here goes this guy with his wife and his two sons. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. And his two sons were named Malon and Chilion. They were uh, Ephratites from Bethlehem in, Judea, in Judah, as in like Bethlehem Ephratah. Okay, you're familiar uh, Yeshua born in Bethlehem, the house of bread, uh, Beit Lechem, and, uh, and they were Ephratites from Bethlehem in, Ju in Judah. Uh, that is just south of Jerusalem. They came to the region of Moab and remained there. Okay, so here we got this story. Let's, uh, let's set the, 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 the tone here and, and the context. We've got this Judean and his wife Naomi and they went to Moab to survive the famine. There was a famine in the land, and apparently Moab, Moab had more to eat in that land. Moab, of course, is across, well, I say the river, kind of really across the Dead Sea. It's on the other side of the Dead Sea in current-day Jordan. Okay, and so if you go there today, man, it's a pretty barren area, but there are places where there, are, uh, where there is uh, springs and, and other uh, such vegetation. But so they went over outside of Israel itself into Moab to, to essentially to, to try to kind of survive the famine. They went where the jobs were is another easy way to say it, right? And so here goes this guy with his wife, Naomi, uh, Elimelech's wife, Naomi, and their two sons. They go over into Moab. But just as things seemed to be going relatively well, tragedy began to strike 
Naomi. You know, it's, 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 it's so true in life, isn't it, that life is, is a journey, everybody. It's, it's something that I, that I reflect on, and as, as I think about our dear Martin, who went to be with the Lord not long ago, and I was talking to uh, Dr. Krolock about Morris, our dear Morris, who went to be with the Lord not too long ago, which is just hard to believe, but yet it's, it's all part of the journey, and there's a lot of ups and downs in the journey, aren't there? Isn't there? Uh, th- there really is, and, 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 and we read about or, or we hear about Linda, who is, is in this surgery today. We're praying for Linda, and you know, things are, are really great at times, and then things are challenging at times. It's, it's really the story of life. So don't think that like God has it out for you if, if you're struggling in a certain area in your life or at a certain season in your life. This is part of the journey of life. There are easier seasons, there are harder seasons. Sometimes there are immeasurably hard seasons. And Naomi was about to hit an immeasurably hard season, one that's, that's hard to even contemplate. Verse 3 of Ruth chapter 1, Then Naomi's husband, Elimelech, died. Mm. So she was a widow at that point. She was left with her two sons. Now her two sons, they married Moabite women. One was named Orpah because they were living in Moab. And the other and the second was named Ruth. And they dwelt there about 10 years. Then those two, her sons, Malon and Chilion also died. Oof. So the woman was left without her children and her husband. <laughs> it's interesting because as we contemplate life, you know, we oftentimes go through and we think, oh, we know the Lord and, and, and we're smiling and we should and, and we should rejoice. But hard times do come, y'all. Hard times happen, uh, even to good people. And uh, it's what we, what we do when those hard times come that really kind of determines um, the essence of a, of a man and woman, really. And if we really are going to continue to love the Lord, and I'm not minimizing it, implying it's easy. It's not at all. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, it is the truth that, that sometimes these hard times do come. And, uh, and so brutal, though. This is a brutal time for Naomi. There's no other way to say it. I mean, can you even imagine? It, it's heartbreaking, really. It's heartbreaking to think about for Naomi, uh, and remember that she was in a foreign land, and now she was left with almost nothing. She was here in a foreign land. She was a foreigner, and her husband passed away, and then both of her sons passed away. And so there, and, and you know the, the kind of society that they were in back then, especially in Moab, with, with an incredibly uh, kind of misogynistic a society, women were not held in, in as high regard. And, and so here it was where, where she had relatively nothing. Uh, words can't adequately describe the pain that she must have felt. You could just imagine a little bit and to think the pain. How can you even imagine such things? It's, it's, it's beyond the realm of even understanding that the pain that she must have felt and been in. But there was word that there was now food in Bethlehem. Bethlehem was now thriving. This had been many years since they had left uh, Bethlehem, where she was from. So she decided, okay, well, at this point here, I'm, I'm, I may starve if I stay in Moab because I got nothing and nobody. I got to go back home. So, so she said, I got to go back home to Bethlehem. There's food there now, and, 
And that's where my people are. She was Jewish, of course. And so she would be he- soon she would be heading back to Bethlehem. But what about, what about her two Moabite daughter-in-law, daughter-in-laws? What, what about the, these two daughters-in-law? Remember, she had two sons, and they were married to Moabite women. What about these two women, the, the, the daughters-in-law? They were relatively young still. Verse 8, so, so Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, here's what Naomi said, Go, return each of you to your mother's house. May Adonai show you the same kindness that you have shown to the dead and to me. May Adonai grant that you find rest, each of you, in the house of her own husband. Then she kissed them and they wept loudly. Wow. Naomi, there was something different about Naomi, even in her pain. She was not all about, you know, a lot of times when people go through pain, uh, they turn into an opera singer. You've heard me say this before. They turn into opera singers. Whenever they have pain. How so? Because they me, 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 me. <laughs> when people experience pain, oftentimes they turn completely uh, inside themselves and are focused only on three people, me, myself, and I, right? And that's all they're generally focused on. But not Naomi. There was something different about Naomi. And Naomi said these very interesting things. It's very impressive how she was looking out for her daughters-in-law. And she figured that the both of them would do much better if they stayed locally. Remember, they were Moabites. They were Moabites. And so it only makes sense that they should stay there in Moab and they would prosper more. And she thanked them. And she said, may God bless you. She gave them a blessing. And said, blessings on you. And and she said, may you be blessed and may you find a new husband to call your own. And and, and go back to your your parents' home. She lovingly released them to return to their homes. Love, love, very, very selfless was Naomi. We don't think about this. But you see, we understand a little bit more when we see their reaction that there was something different about this relationship. The dynamic was different. There was something different about Naomi, and and, and in particular, there was something different about Naomi as a mother. Because their reaction, within this reaction, we see something very special. Verse 10, no, they said to her, We will return with you to your people. Wow. No, they said. Naomi, they said, no, we want to go back with you. We want to go with you to, to your people in Bethlehem. We'll go with you. Both of them said this. Orpah and Ruth. Think about that for just a minute. We're going to dig into this. It's very deep. In the following verses, Naomi then proceeded to try desperately to convince them to stay in Moab and not to go to Bethlehem with her. She gave them reason after reason after reason to stay in Moab. She said, listen, girls, I can't give you another son. I'm old. I can't give you another son to to marry. And by the time, even if I could, by the time they grew up, it would be too late for you. 
No, you need to stay where you can find a husband. You can stay and, and prosper here. This is, this is where you're from. This is, the, this is who you know. This is your, your people, your land, your language. That you need, and, and she tried desperately to convince them, reason after reason, and eventually, eventually, after a lot of convincing, Orpah weepingly said her goodbye and said, okay, Naomi, okay. But Ruth, Ruth was a different matter. Ruth was a different matter. Verse 15 she being Naomi. Naomi said, look, your sister-in-law, meaning Orpah, is going back to her people and to her gods. Return along with your sister-in-law. Verse 16, one of the most powerful verses in all the Bible. Ruth replied, do not plead with me to abandon you, to turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May Adonai deal with me, and worse, if anything but death comes between me and you. One of the most moving and, and powerful things anyone has probably ever said in human history. And there are so many lessons here. It's, it's moving. It's stirring. And I have a main point that I want to talk about this. But I have to take a very short, short detour here. And I have to pause for a moment and to say that if you are a Gentile, if you are not Jewish by birth and you're called to be a part of a Messianic Jewish congregation, your mother is Ruth. Just like Ruth, you are called to a people who are not your own, but yet you are all in. You are all in. You have planted your life with us it is such an amazingly special calling. Thank you. What did God himself think of Ruth's commitment to the Jewish people, to Naomi and the Jewish people? <laughs> well, you could stay tuned to the end of the story to find out, but for sure, <laughs> he was impressed. He was impressed. But to you who come from a non-Jewish background, thank you. Thank you. Thank you to all of our Ruths here at Beth Hillel. Thank you. Thank you. I can't tell you what it means as a Jewish person to have my non-Jewish brothers and sisters standing, locking arms with me, saying, we're with you. We're with you. We love you. We care for you. And, and because often throughout history, nobody's been there for our people. You know history. All too often, it's been nobody. Thank you. Thank you. And I know that for many of you, 
uh, uh, many of our Ruths here, men and women who are, who are Ruth-like and who have that call upon their heart, they, they, they can't even see it any other way because they say, hey, listen, this is, this is my Messiah was Jewish. This was his heritage. The, the, if I want to be more like, like my Messiah, this is, this is what I want to put myself into. And if, and if God himself says, I've engraved the Jewish people on the palm of my hand, and, and that's how much he loves them, then man, that's good enough for me. Thank you. Thank you for those hearts. And if you're watching online and maybe, maybe you don't even know why you've been tuning in and you come from a non-Jewish background, why would I? Read Ruth. It's the story of the non-Jewish person who has a love for the Jewish people that, that really is in line with how God loves his people, the Jewish people. Mm. So very powerful. It's a, it's a bit of a detour from my main point, but whenever I read that story from Ruth, it just, it just my heart bursts with appreciation and gratitude and love for my non-Jewish brothers and sisters and the fact that, man, we've got some power in this congregation because it's Jew and Gentile together. Yeah, there's unity, you know, and there's power in that. I love it. It's just like, it's like we're a great tag team wrestling team. You know, it's back, back in the day when I was growing up, they had Mr. Wrestling number one, Mr. Wrestling number two. You remember those guys, you know, it's, uh, that's got to be real stuff. I think it's real. That's all I'm saying. It's got to be real. There's no acting there. There's no acting. But Mr. Wrestling number one, man, he'd be getting a little bit messed up. He'd reach out and ah, tag. Oh, they tag hands. And this is embarrassing. I, 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 I haven't watched professional wrestling like that. I'm, okay, let me keep going in this story. This is not my script here. This is not good. Um, <laughs> people think, Rabbi, yeah, he's into that. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. God bless you if you are. You know, listen, I, I'm sure it's all real. You know, I, I believe it. Uh, <clears throat> Looking forward to Santa this December. Uh, <clears throat> it was not written down at all. <laughs> uh, here's the other thing, though, that never gets spoken of about this story, the story of uh, Naomi and Ruth. How amazing a mother Naomi must have been. How amazing a mother Naomi must have been. Have you ever thought about that? i got to be honest with you, I really had not. I had not, I had not thought about Naomi as her, in her role as a mother. I had not thought about this. I mean, I know, that, I know that Orpha goes back home, but listen, did you hear the reaction that both she and Ruth had when Naomi first said that she was going back to Judea and she told them to stay? They said, they both together said, no, no. No, they both said to Naomi, we're going to go with you. Both of them said this to Sartre, and they wept bitterly, the scripture says. I want for you to think about this. This has some significance here. Look at this from different angles. I want for us to look at this from multiple angles here, and it's going to come alive to you, and you're going to say, wow, this, this was really even more amazing than I first thought. In particular, Thinking about it in Naomi's role as a mom, first we have to establish that Naomi had nothing financially to offer these women. Nothing financially. Not only were their husbands now passed away and dead, but even Naomi's husband was dead. Naomi was poor with no prospects to help them. 
And so you completely, I mean, you talk about, you know, sometimes people say, oh, you know, are the people looking for money and money grabbing people? And is that their agenda or their motive? It clearly was not Orpah and Ruth's motive or agenda. Why? Because Naomi didn't have anything. She was left with nothing. No husband, no, no sons anymore, no children. I mean, she was left with, with nothing, just, just her, her daughters-in-law who could not provide anything, and she couldn't provide anything for them. So when they said, no, we want to go with you, they were, they were signing up to just, what, abject poverty? You think about that. that I mean, that's pretty intense. What, so it wasn't just that they were like, oh, yeah, we'll go with We want to go with you because it's a cush life where she was going. No, 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 no. It was probably a much more cush life in their, in their father's tent. Much more cush. Very interesting. Secondly, this would seem to cut off the young women's chances to get remarried. Naomi specifically told them in verses 11 through 13 that she couldn't give them another husband. She prayed God would give them a husband in their own land. Back then especially, boy, uh, if you were to, to have any potential future, oftentimes people needed to get married, especially the women, because they didn't have the opportunities, sadly, that the men had back then. And so they had to, and so many of them wanted to, to have a husband. You have to know, however much women today want husbands, magnify it back then, back in those days, right? And, and the same, really same thing goes the other way, but especially for the women back then in those days, because it was almost not survivable in many ways, without that husband given the circumstances of the area that they lived in. And so, and so here it was when they said, we want to go with you. In essence, they to themselves have to figure that they were giving up their shot at a husband. This is one of the other reasons why Naomi told them, stay, find a husband, settle down, enjoy life. Finally, Naomi was their mother-in-law. <laughs> I mean, stop for a minute, right? Okay, I mean, listen, <laughs> all cliches and stereotypes aside, even back then, there were in-law issues. There were in-law issues. Come on, there were. You read it all throughout Scripture, and they were, and they were not even tied to her anymore in a required, so to speak, way. Why? Because their husbands had died, and so it's not like they had an obligation to her anymore familially. No, no, no. Let's face it. Be honest about it. Typically, a mother-in-law is not someone that is esteemed before all others. <laughs> I mean, may it be so, please God, in, in your life. And, and sometimes it is. You know, sometimes it is. I know with... Uh, with our Rebbitson, my wife Tiffany, and my mom, they had such a great relationship. And there were times when mom would come to me and she'd say, son, and she'd give me the finger thing and pointing at, you know, the finger. Usually my dad would do the finger, you know, that it just seemed like it would just go out that long. Hey. But when it came to, to, to my wife Tiffany, it was my mom. Son, you better treat her right. Oh, 
hold on now, I thought I was the kid. I'm your kid. Do you forget your your birth? It wasn't her, it was me. And and it's like, clearly, clearly, uh, mom likes Tiffany more than me. And and, and so every once in a while, there are these relationships. And and may it be, may it be so, may you be blessed. Well, clearly, Naomi had this relationship with her daughter's-in-law as well. Because it's amazing in an in-law way, uh, uh, relationship. And yet what was Orpah and Ruth's reaction? They wept bitterly. They said they would come with her. And despite all practical earthly wisdom, Ruth did go with her and said, yeah, okay, I'm coming. I'm coming. No matter what, I'm coming. And she said what she said. What does this tell you about the kind of mother that Naomi was? We also have to remember a couple of other things that I examined this, George, right, from a mother's perspective and why this all would have happened. Because also the newness of the relationship would have worn off. You know, you might have thought, well, if they were still new, you know, maybe your son was a newlywed. No, no, no. This was 10 years after they had married Naomi's sons. The word tells us 10 years later. Any, any newness had worn off. All the warts were showing, so to speak. Okay. Uh, my goodness, what kind of a mother was Naomi? What kind of a mother was Naomi? How much wisdom? How much kindness? How much care? How much selflessness? How much love must Naomi have had? What a relationship they must have had. No mother is perfect, but for Ruth to do what she did, Naomi must have been some kind of a mom. And and here's something interesting that I only thought about, and something clicked with me, and I said, oh boy, that makes it even more deep. Because in Orpah, you got to think about Orpah, even though she went back to Moab, she nonetheless totally validates Naomi because she didn't want to leave her either. Very clearly, she did not want to leave her either. So it wasn't a case that Naomi only loved or preferred Ruth. You see, you you get that. You might think, oh, okay, well, maybe Ruth was just the favorite and she was the chosen one that, that all, Naomi just all just oodled over only Ruth. You know how some people can be. It's not, it's not good. But, and you might think that. But no, no, no. It's actually clear from the scripture that that's not the case. Naomi was just that good. A mom. Why? Because Orpah was weeping bitterly also. And, and her initial reaction was to say, I want to go with you. That validates Naomi. You understand? It validates Naomi. Powerful. And how Naomi was as a mother. And yet, they returned to Bethlehem, and Naomi was sad. Of course she was sad. I mean, she, she had just had the, the, the worst tragedies you could ever even imagine. And so she spoke to her people in Bethlehem. We're going to go to verse 20. She spoke to her people in Bethlehem, and she said to them, she was so sad. She said, do not call me Naomi. She told them, call me Mara, since Shaddai has made my life better. I went away full, but Adonai has brought me back empty. Why should you call me Naomi since Adonai has testified against me and Shaddai has brought calamity upon me? Ooh. Oh, my heart breaks for Naomi. She was so sad. Oh, Naomi was so sad. 
as great a person as she clearly was, she was so sad. Doesn't your heart just kind of go out to her when you read that? I know mine does, right? Naomi, Naomi by the way, uh, in Hebrew means pleasant. And she said, what, her name should be changed to Mara. Mara in Hebrew means bitter. Sort of like, you know, we just had a Passover not too long ago, 40, 41 days ago. And in Passover, what do you eat? The moror, right? The moror, it's the bitter herbs. It's, it's the same Hebrew roots, Mara. Well, the story moved along, and as you know, certain things begin to happen because the Lord was involved in this and, and surely saw Naomi and heard her. And as you know, Ruth eventually... The, the daughter-in-law, Ruth, was eventually gleaning scraps of grain from the field of Boaz. She was essentially begging. When you glean scraps of grain, the scriptures and the Torah indicated that when you harvest, let's say you have a big field and you harvest, you're supposed to leave some of the scraps for, for the poor, basically, to come kind of do an extra harvest of the, of the scraps once you've harvested all your big harvest. And, and the Lord says in the Torah, don't go back and like fine-tooth comb it. Let, let, the, let the poor take the scraps, you know, to give them something. And so you, it was, it was, a, it was a, a beautiful command, but here it is that Ruth was doing just that because they were poor. And so she was gleaning uh, scraps of grain from the field of Boaz, Boaz, who unbeknownst to Ruth at the time happened to be a wealthy relative of Naomi, okay? <laughs> How convenient. <laughs> And, and as Boaz saw and met Ruth, Boaz was <coughs> impressed. Chapter 2, verse 11. Boaz replied and said to her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since your husband's death has been fully reported to me how you left your father and mother and land of your birth and came to a people you did not know before. May Adonai repay you for what you have done and may you be fully rewarded by Adonai, God of Israel, under, his who, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Ooh, boy. Ooh, the story's starting to turn. I told you there were seasons in life. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Get on that train. The season's changing. The season changed. It's pretty exciting. Oh, my gosh, boy. So Boaz took note of, of Ruth. And I love how he says, may you be rewarded by God under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Ooh, that's beautiful. That's poetic too, isn't it? So we see here that Ruth has found favor with Boaz. Get ready. In part because of how she treated her mother-in-law. We certainly have to treat our mothers well, beloved. At the same time, we remember that Ruth loved Naomi so much, probably in large part because of how much Naomi loved Ruth, right? Usually that love will start from the older generation, Okay, and say Naomi loved Ruth so much. Ruth loved Naomi back and, and, and did for Naomi. And word got to Boaz, who said, okay, now that's, that's the quality I really admire in a woman. 
Very interesting. So soon after, and Naomi heard about the story from Ruth and what was going on. And, and then at that point, Naomi decided to go fiddler on the roof in the story. <laughs> Rightly, or if you study what happened at that point, uh, Naomi, in her mind, as, as she was hearing the story from Ruth, Naomi started hearing the music. Matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. Find me a find, catch me a catch. <laughs> Cameron, please still come to Bethlehem. It's up in the air. I understand. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying you have to show mercy and grace, brother. Just show mercy and grace, you know, and. <laughs> okay, Naomi did some matchmaking, and, uh, and, and Boaz, she, she told Ruth what to do. She said, oh my gosh, okay, Ruth, let me tell you, honey, this is what you need to do. And uh, it's a loose translation of the Hebrew. Uh, and <laughs> you read about it. And Boaz fell head over heels for Ruth. And in the end, Boaz, because of his relationship with Naomi... Uh, as uh, literally uh, they were relatives, was eligible, Boaz was eligible as a, what was known as a kinsman redeemer or a goel to buy Naomi's land and take Ruth as his wife. He was offered this opportunity because of the fact that he was a kinsman redeemer. If you study the scriptures of what that is. So we're going to skip now to Ruth chapter 4, verse 13. And what do we see? We see here that Boaz, mm, boy, he, he thought highly of Ruth. And verse 13 says, So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When he went to her, Adonai enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. And then the women said to Naomi, this is a beautiful postscript. Then the women said to Naomi, remember what she had said to the women when she first arrived. The women said to Naomi, Blessed be Adonai who has not left you without a Goel or a kinsman redeemer today. May his name be famous throughout Israel. Moreover, he will be to you a renewer of life and a sustainer of your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and is better to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Mm, my goodness, how beautiful is this? Now we see that what? Naomi is no longer Mara. She is blessed and she is praised by those around her. And how much is she blessed in the end? How much is Naomi blessed in the end? And Ruth for that matter. Chapter 4 verse 16. Naomi took the child. This was Ruth's child and held it to her bosom, and took care of him. The neighboring women gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. So they called him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Oh, yeah, my feeling too. What a mother 
Naomi was and how Ruth loved her mother. And at the end of the day, Ruth's child by Boaz was also, by Israeli law, was accounted as in the family of Naomi. And of course, was a grandfather of King David and eventually a grandparent of the Messiah, Yeshua himself, who is our Goel, our kinsman redeemer. So this key backstory in Yeshua's heritage is all about an amazing mother and a remarkable love for a mother. Happy Mother's Day. The title of my message is Naomi. Let's bow our heads. Oh, I hope that blessed you. It blessed me. <laughs> I want to, I wanna, first of all, I want to ask the Lord to bless any of our mothers and also really influencers. We have some mothers. We have some aunts. We have some other women who, who are influencers on other people around them and, and the, the generation that will follow them, even through their example of coming to God's house or loving the Lord, reading His Word, praying, and, and loving their children, loving those around them. Wow, think about how Naomi was to Ruth. Ah, boy, that, that should be a, a model for us as to how we are with those who come behind us. So, Lord, I ask special blessings on all of our mothers today and other influencers, grandmothers, aunts, others, Lord, who are in positions of influence, especially our women. I ask you to bless them on this special weekend, Lord, that you'll touch them, that they're touched by the story of Naomi. I look forward to meeting Naomi in heaven. I bet she's going to be one of the nicest people you've ever met. I thank you for her, Lord, and for her example and for her love for her daughters, her daughters-in-law, which eventually led to the love returned to the extent that it produced King David and even the Messiah himself. And if you're here today and you've never said a prayer to receive Yeshua into your heart, if you've never committed your life to God, but you would like to, all it takes is a simple prayer. If you've never said a prayer to commit your life to Yeshua, but you would like to, raise your hand and we can have a simple prayer. Is there anybody never said that prayer but wants to? Commit your life to Yeshua. Perhaps you're watching online and you've never, or on the podcast, and you've never said a prayer to receive Yeshua as your Messiah. If that's you, say this simple prayer after me. Say, dear God, I humble myself before you. I accept Yeshua into my heart. I believe he's risen again and is the Messiah. Please forgive me of my sins. I'm sorry. I'll live the rest of my days for you. In Yeshua's name. If you said that prayer for the first time, please send us an email. We want to celebrate with you. I thank you, God. I thank you for this weekend, for a special Mother's Day weekend, a time where we can come together and, and just celebrate you and celebrate all the important and influential women in our lives. And I thank you again for Naomi, Lord. And, and I look forward to meeting her one day. I thank you for these things, God, and we bless you. Yeshua, in the name of our Messiah, shall we pray, amen.
and amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah or how you can become part of our Bethlehem family, please visit our website at www.bethhalel.org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L dot O-R-G. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and shalom. Nine, 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 nine.